0: If you need something, if you need a job, you know, a lot of us tend to, you know, kind of cower and we don't want people to know that we're unemployed or whatever. Gosh, let everyone know. Because if you do, then someone's going to present an opportunity for you.
1: The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy
2: Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capital Girls City Center with my guest, Wade Brawley, Chief Executive Officer at Land Information Services. How are you this
0: afternoon? Great, great. Just really excited to be here.
2: Yeah. Thanks for coming from all the way from Oklahoma.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm here a lot. Well, that's good. Houston is our hub for our industry, so I enjoy coming here whenever I can. Awesome. And great to sit here and talk with you.
2: Yeah. Thank you for coming again. Before we get into it, I wanted to ask everyone to support the show like I ask you every single show. To take a few moments, leave a review on iTunes, and we've got a couple this week. I got five stars from S. Fiorilu. I butchered that. Great informational podcast. As someone who writes about energy companies on Seeking Alpha, I try to stay informed as much as possible on what's going on in the oil patch. This podcast offers a wealth of information with a great host and great guest. Thanks. And then we have another five-star review from Hashtag Quality Matters. Great work. Love the podcast. And all everyone with OGGN does. Keep it up. Thank you guys so much. Wayne, let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry.
0: Well, it wasn't my first job out of school. I went to work elsewhere and it was just a one-year project. My only requirement was that I would get to travel. So I picked kind of this flaky job in marketing. And not that marketing is flaky, but it was kind of with uh, without genuine intent that I took the job. I just wanted to travel. So it was just <laughs> a year project of doing product studies. And I got to travel. and That was fun. But then it was time to get serious. And I looked around and everyone seemed to be in the oil and gas industry. And there was this profession called a landman. I thought, well, what could that be? And I really thought I, I could do this. And you know, in land, there's the kind of the outside uh, broker kind of landman in the in-house. And so I kind of ventured towards the in-house and I was lucky to land a kind of a training management training program with a company called Sun Company, which became Anadarko and various other names. And I was just ready to learn. and I really picked it up. I loved it. And I tend to be sort of an organization freak. so I always lean towards, Redesigning things, reorganizing things, making things flow smoothly, eliminating handoffs, just streamlining processes, and that was a natural transition into the computer age. And that's kind of how I got started. Interesting. And yeah,
2: yeah. As a landy, that's what we—that's what I used to call them, landies, because my background is regulatory compliance. So, oh yeah, yeah. And they loved it. That was great and stuff. But it's great how similar those two positions actually are within that whole legal realm and process
0: and order. I I considered regulatory compliance because I really enjoyed the kind of the process of going before the Corporation Commission or the Railroad Commission and following all the rules and knowing all the rules. So I think that's a great career path.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So now that we've established your start, let's kind of go through some challenges you've had, you had to face through, through that time.
0: Okay, well, probably the biggest challenge, and you probably hear this a lot from people my age, is is the eighties. You know, we had a, a significant downturn in the industry and, and it was painful. But from that experience came a lot of good things. I, I realized when I was sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for an opportunity, that you know, oil and gas properties are still out there, they're still owned by someone. Not the producer, usually banks. Right. <laughs> but I thought someone still has to manage the day-to-day. Right. And so I realized I just need to reach out to who has those properties now and change my audience. And so that worked well for me and found some opportunities working for banks and for consulting companies who work for banks. And while everyone else was really struggling, I found I was really thriving. And I've been able to kind of repeat that process: take a, an event that is detrimental to most people, and turn it around to where you find the benefit, you find the beauty in, in uh, catastrophe, I guess.
2: Yeah, and also, I guess the lesson in it too, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. I mean, you know, there's a great book out there that that's called TED which mm-hmm. is not like TED Talks. It's, right. I think it's called the empowerment dynamics. And it teaches you how to take the role that something or someone tries to force you into and turn it around to where it's to your benefit, to everyone's benefit, really. So the most typical example is is someone makes a victim out of you. You know, They, they, they do something to you or, or create a cer- certain series of circumstances that you feel like a victim, like you're helpless, like... You're, you're being picked on. But if you stop and think about it, you really have a choice. You don't have to be a victim. You can be a creator. Turn that around and work that in your favor and, and create something beautiful out of it. So that's... That's the,
2: incredibly inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> That really touched me.
0: We're, we're getting too
2: deep too quickly. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's exactly how this is supposed to go. <laughs> no, that's 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 wonderful. So let's talk about what you're you're doing with Land Info Services.
0: Well, Land Information Services started out as a consulting venture of mine, going into companies and sort of repeating the kinds of uh, processes and tools that I developed in in my career. And worked with some great companies and great consulting companies, you know, Apache, Sandridge, Chesapeake, Devon, a lot of them Continental, and consultants who were out there, you know, my friends at PwC and Stonebridge and, and others. And we create, again, something beautiful out of this mayhem, this this chaos. Yeah. So that's what I did originally was, was consulting, and then these clients would come to me and say, you know, I would just like you to handle my back office processes. So I had to acquire staff to manage their their leases, their division orders, and so acquired staff. I needed a system. So I I did talk to other providers out there and and thought you know I could endorse your product, use your product, yeah. and it'd, you know be a win win situation. But in the end, none of them really came through. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll just do it myself. Why not, right? Yeah, yeah, turn the other cheek. (laughs) So I did, and it was originally designed, it's called Land Vantage, originally designed just to to support our outsourcing practice. But it caught the attention of a lot of producers, and they said, well, I'd I'd like to use this. I had to change my pricing model so that others could use it without using my people. Right. And so the way it is now, my clients, are some of them are completely independent using the platform, And others use the platform and use my people. Uh, A lot of times that's part of the selling point is that, gosh, I could subscribe to the software. And if I run into a bind, I need extra help. You've got people already trained in the software to jump in and help my staff. So we probably provide outsourcing to, uh, at least on a project basis, for at least half of our our subscribers. So it's been a, a good... A good balance, I think, to have the consulting, outsourcing, and the and the software.
2: It's a little bit of everything, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, that's fine. I'm gonna do that too. <laughs> <laughs> so you've worked for a lot of majors. You wor- you worked for
0: I have, either directly or or as a consultant or part of a team, and it's always interesting where you think you know big corporate America. One company is the same as the other, and. They're really so different and so you can't really take a solution that you provided one company and, and install that, implement that in another company because yeah. the landscape is so different. As similar as they may seem, they're really quite different. So, but at the same time, you, know, you can leverage off of what you have learned with another client and apply lessons learned mm-hmm. to your new project. But in the end, it's, it's really something new and different and fresh. And so that's, that's kind of the creative part of consulting, I think, is, is creating something that is unique, something you know how to do, something you do well, yet it's unique and different with each, each implementation.
2: What, what differences have you found in, and maybe you can add some contrast to this, but how do you like working for yourself versus, versus working for someone else? What, how, how has that impacted you?
0: I loved working for a company. Even though you say I work for myself, I really work for my employees. Right, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of them there, and I, I'm there to support them and to motivate them and and to work alongside them. Indeed, I do work alongside them. I don't sit in a corner office. I am right there on the floor, shoulder to shoulder with these people. And I like that because I learn, and I, I kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on, what are they thinking. Where does someone need to be redirected? And so, you know, that's the bottom line. Is I like to work with people, whether it's as an employee for a large company, or as a member of a team, you know, within my own company. It's really all the same. Just it's working with people, collaborating. You know, I think that leadership is not—it's not a dictatorship. You know,
2: absolutely. I've seen
0: some leaders out there who were like that. But I find that's exhausting to be a dictator. I would rather be a coach. I, I feel like leadership is nurturing. yeah it's it's supporting, it's motivating. it's 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 helping people to accomplish something and mm-hmm. and at the same time, you're accomplishing something for the whole company, for the client, for yourself. And so I just feel like nurturing is better than being an autocrat.
2: I like that better too.
0: <laughs> and to do that you have to be around people. So whether you're an employee or a consultant, it's it's good to have that team.
2: So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be?
0: To not be afraid to talk. I give that advice to a lot of people on a personal level and professional level. Like if you need something, if you need a job, you know, a lot of us tend to, you know, kind of cower and we don't want people to know that we're unemployed or whatever. Gosh let everyone know, because if you do, then someone's going to present an opportunity for you. Right. Yeah, because I kind of go back to that story I mentioned earlier when I was sitting at home and no one was calling, and a voice in my head said, you know, cast many nets, you know, broaden your thinking, change your audience. And so I tell people that, that, you know, you just if you're troubled about something, don't hold it all in, just talk. And you'll find someone's going to provide a solution, or they're going to know of someone they can refer you to, Whether that's a new client or a new employer. So that's the important thing is don't bottle it in, just just talk. I give that advice. I don't always take that advice. (laughs) (laughs) But it is good advice. It is good advice.
2: (laughs) Speak up, yes. Be heard. Well, aside from Ted, what book influenced you the most?
0: You know, I I really enjoy biographies. So, you know, I do too. Yeah, yeah. So even if I read fiction, I like it in a biographical context where I'm kind of following a family of a person who's accomplishing something. So, as far as business books go, I mean, I've read them all, like the rest of us have. And I, I, I you know, Good to Great and and The Power of Servant Leadership, and those are all great. But I, I tend to find myself looking more for books that have more of a spiritual message. I'm not a deeply religious person, but I feel like I'm spiritual, and there yeah. is a difference there. Absolutely. So, there's a really good book uh, by Daniel Siegel, I think is his name, called Aware. And simple title, Aware. And the neat thing about it is, is kind of the, the meditation he offers the, to prepare yourself to, to be aware of what's around you. So there's awareness and there's focus. And people sometimes confuse the two. That they think they're the same. So, you know, kind of like if you're a parent, you're in a, in a playground, you're focused on your child because you, you are concerned for their safety, you're there for them. But at the same time, you're aware of what's going on around you. Right. And it's two different frequencies, really. And you have to do both. And the the business is the same. So, you know, I'm focused on my business. But at the same time, I need to be aware of what's going on around me in the economy and and, in my market sector, uh, who are my competitors, uh, what, what new technology is out there. So really important to be aware and then know when to be focused and to do it at the same time
2: simultaneously yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's
0: a good book i i I like to recommend that
2: yeah i like that yeah i'm I'm seeing it right now i can you know you use your peripherals to Mm -hmm. look around but to have focus on something yeah yeah i I
0: like that and if you think of it that way it really helps you to focus yeah it does you can realize oh i need to be focusing on this interview right now so that's this is helping me. You're getting some good <laughs> advice here, so I'm glad I'm here.
2: <laughs> What's your most used business tool?
0: I'm going to tell a kind of a story to answer that because it, it was really humorous. I asked the same question of a, a very important CIO in a, a large company, and I thought, okay, what? It, what how do you keep? organized how do you manage all that's going on there's so much you're responsible for and i was expecting this really great answer i, I was like ready to write it down she's going to give me a gem of wisdom here and she says outlook like,
2: what <laughs> come on wasn't is... expecting that no
0: no but now i i understand because i hardly have time to get out of my my email account and i'm constantly in outlook and i do use it to organize and you know organize my calendar so you know, of course, I'm I'm constantly in my application Land Vantage, developing and testing and. But as far as organizing myself, running day to day business, of course my timekeeping system, but Outlook is great. I'm a huge user of Excel, and even even turned my daughter on to Excel, who's more of a an artistic person. You know, she oh, studied wow. musical theater, and she thought Excel eh, that's like numbers and columns, but she uses it a lot now. She realizes, oh. It has a lot of. It's very useful. Yeah, very useful for any any kind of decision making that one might do. So I'd say Outlook and Excel. I'm Actually, there all the time.
2: Yeah, I'm in there too. I just recently apparently we have a bunch of fake employees on LinkedIn, and so I had to go pull all the ones that they would allow me to see because when you're not connected to someone, if you're like beyond a third connection, you can't even you can't even see them. So I had to. We have like I think I pulled 168 profiles and I had to put it somewhere. Who are these people that are wanting I to, to I don't know we've got a model attached themselves to you. I have no idea, but we've got a model and we have some truck drivers and <laughs> for all over the world. <laughs> all over the world. You know, and then I've uh, got to i got to alert the rest of the our crew going, hey, these are these aren't real people.
0: Well I'm making a note to myself to check my LinkedIn profile for my company. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. It's an issue and I, I don't out. I don't understand what the agenda is. So, but that's neither here nor there. Who's your most respected
0: competitor? Oh, I hate to name names. You
2: don't, and you don't have to.
0: I respect all of my competitors. I mean, there are some I like more than others, but, you know, they face the same challenges I do. So I have to respect them for that. And I'm not above recommending to a potential client that they go with one of the competitors if I feel like the mix of their needs for a solution maybe better fit them. For various reasons. That's
2: incredibly transparent.
0: So, so, well, you know, and and people appreciate that. They're going, wow. And they remember that too because sometimes they come back to me and, oh, yeah, that didn't work out, so we're going to go with you anyway. So I, I do admire and respect all of them. I've worked with all of them. I mean, the the largest ones are, of course, you know, Quorum and P2. And I, I have to respect what what they've accomplished. And they do a good job. And it's a good integrated tool, fully integrated And we actually, we integrate with them as well. Oh, that's cool. So my competitors are also my partners. And then I have people out there that I work with that I think are very smart and ingenious and how they're using data. So they're, again, they're not competitors, they're, people i work with like you know thought trace and ok biz
2: thought trace actually sponsors our legal risk show
0: well and i wasn't even prompted to <laughs> mention them but they're great to work with and and osberg i think they're real smart about what they do so i, I just find it i find it interesting how they're using data and how they package that and market it to their customers excellent excellent um, drilling info too I'm, as right? long as i'm naming them all
2: <laughs>
0: i do don't leave anybody them.
2: out now. no no <laughs> Yeah, what would you say is your most important lesson
0: learned? Again, to keep it fresh, never go into a situation with any kind of preconceived idea or, or prejudice, because then what you what you're doing really is taking someone else's opinion and and trying it on, and and you're inhibiting yourself. I, I can remember when I was working for a consulting company. We were bought out by another company. And of course, we were not going to like the the, the president of this company, you know, because they he was the bad guy. And I had that preconceived notion and I had blinders on and I really regretted it because when I got to know him, I thought, this is really a smart man. And he became a, a good mentor to me. So Funny. Um, yeah. And so I realized, you know, don't accept opinions about others that have been given to you or vocalized to you by others meet them head on and decide for yourself.
2: Yeah. That's, and that's great advice given the day and age and with everyone having an opinion and putting it online oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and hiding behind that social media. But yeah, that's very good advice. What's your favorite podcast?
0: Well, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'll be very honest when I do listen to a podcast, it's usually like a, you know, a comedy series. I, I, I love the John Mulaney Comedy series, isn't he great? He's he's so so funny funny. and so real. So I tend to like that for, you know, entertainment. I honestly have listened to a lot of your podcasts and I've really enjoyed the personalities you've had on there. So I will be listening from now on.
2: That'll learn you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Being on.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I really
2: appreciate that. So thank you for coming again, Wade. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about land information,
0: Services. How can
2: they go about doing that?
0: Just go to our website, LandInfoServe.com, without the E on the end.
2: Yep, yep, and we'll provide the links in the show notes. And that's it. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door.
0: Hey,
1: everyone, it's Julie here with the events on deck for May 2019. We have our Midland Happy Hour on May 21st. At Midland Beer Garden, and it will be from 6 to 9. And then we have our Houston Happy Hour, and it's going to be at the Cannon from 6 to 9 on May 28th. This month we have the Oil and Gas Smart Contracts Conference on May 15th and 16th, and we will actually be launching another one of our new podcasts live from that event. So check it out, the link is in the show notes. We have the Merge Market Energy Forum on May 21st. It's in Houston. Just check that out in the show notes. And then we have a charity event, Golf for Good. That's a golf charity event for Redeemed Ministries. That's going to be on June 11th, 2019. And they are still looking for sponsors. So check that out in our show notes. And if you want to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. And that is it for the the month of may some events on deck in the the coming months we have shoot for the future a clay shoot on friday july 26th and then napes and the the nape summer is coming up in august and that is it for our upcoming events Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil & Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.